0: book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier islands.com Before I get to my next guest, Dave Stockton Jr., I want to give a
1: shout out to our friends over at the Ben Hogan Golf Company. When Ben Hogan founded his company in 1953, his mission was to make the finest golf equipment in the world. And that remains their mission today. They forge every club they make to provide the feel and feedback investment clubs simply can not provide. And their craftsmen, Micro-manufacture each club to your exacting specifications in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. You'll find Ben Hogan uh, Golf Equipment only online at BenHoganGolf.com. Visit them there to learn about their great products and their great prices. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore.
0: This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the
1: show. And now back in making his ninth appearance with me is Dave Stockton Jr. Let me remind you about Dave's background. He's from Redlands, California. Like his father and his grandfather, he was an All-American golfer at the University of Southern California. He joined what is now the Corn Ferry Tour in 1993 and won twice during his rookie season at the Nike Connecticut Open and the Nike Hawkeye Open. He went through Q School in 1994 and earned his tour card, finished 96th on the PGA Tour money list that season. From 1993 to 2006, he had six top 10 finishes on the Corn Ferry Tour and 13 top 10 finishes on the PGA Tour. Following his days on tour, he spent a couple of years as a commentator for the USA Network, He's now one of the top instructors on the planet, and since he recently turned 50 about a year or so ago, I am hoping very hard to see him out on the Champions Tour again this season, and I'm very excited he's back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Dave, how are you, my friend?
2: I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? Thanks for having me
1: on again. Ah, It's always great having you here, Dave. So... uh, before we get into all the golf stuff, Dave, I got to get your thoughts uh, on your USC Trojans. Are, are we going to see USC football this season? What do you think is going to happen?
2: I, I I'm cautiously optimistic that we will, and um, you know we had a we started out with a bad recruiting season, but then we ended with a flourish. I guess we got a top uh, top five or top six class after everything's said and done. So. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. You got to turn those four and five star guys into into absolute studs and hopefully we can do that. But uh, yeah, I miss, miss seeing sports. It's uh, It's been, you know, d- difficult for everyone. You know, I don't think you realize how much you um, appreciate and have sports as such a main part of people's lives when you lose it and you can't see it. And, uh, you know, just like this last even watching the, you know, the last dance, Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And, you know, that was so much fun to watch. And everybody just, you know, couldn't wait for the new episodes to come out. And we're just so sports hungry right now. So hopefully they will. Hopefully they will be playing.
0: Speaking
1: of live sports, we, we've gotten a little bit in golf the last couple of weeks. What, what are your thoughts about what you saw from, uh, from, you know the guys a couple of weeks ago and with the match between Rory and DJ and Ricky and and Matt Wolf and then the match over uh, over the weekend this weekend
2: well they were really polar opposites um you know it was a limited exposure uh with DJ and and Rory and and Matt Wolf and I mean the there wasn't a lot of talk going on between the two there wasn't really much trash talking and um you know that so it was it was a i mean it was a phenomenal cause and it was great that they did that donating their time and 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 to do that come out and play when you know it was clear that you know i mean i believe dj when he said he'd only hit balls like twice since the stoppage because he was a bit rusty but uh, um You know, it was just it was fun seeing that golf course for the first time. I've never I've never played Seminole, I wanna play it someday and um you know, I look forward to that. But uh this last Sunday with Tiger and Phil and Peyton and and Brady, that was hilarious. And then to have you know, Barkley doing the commentating who's just a he's a piece of work, he's awesome. Um and then having J T out there commentating, you know, if for some reason he ever wants to hang up the clubs, he'd be, he'd be fun to listen to. Uh, I thought it was great. It was, it wasn't boring. It was exciting. You know, they, they, uh, and they dealt with horrific weather. I'm laughing sitting in San Diego in sunny skies and 72 degrees and they're, they're in a downpour. So it was pretty funny, but the fact they played in it raised 20, what was it? $20 million. I thought that was phenomenal. And, and, um, you know, we saw good shots. We saw bad shots. we, we heard uh, digging going on, you know, digs between the players and and commentators, and and uh, you know, it was just a it was a real uh, enjoyable uh, uh, afternoon to watch the golf, and and you know, obviously a little more exciting. Um, and Peyton was hilarious. I mean, he's he's just a character. So you know, you had a lot of characters that had a lot of personality come out, and, and um, you know, it was. I think everybody enjoyed it.
1: One of the things, Dave, that we saw in both events were guys wearing shorts. I know yep. that uh, the tour is sort of, you know, loosened up a little bit. They, they can do it in pro-ams. They can do it in some practice rounds. Are, are, are we inching closer? Do you think that guys will be allowed to wear shorts on tour, at least in the summertime?
2: I mean, I'd like to see that. I think it, it, I think you'll have guys that would would never wear shorts, um, but I don't know. I was on the PGA Tour po- player uh, policy board in the '90s when we passed the we we got approved for caddies to wear shorts, and Fincham was dead set against it. He did not want that happening, and and I just I remember I I, I said, hey, look, we watched the U.S. Amateur, and there's caddies and and not only are the players in shorts, but the caddies are in shorts, and nobody cares. That's a U.S. ham. It's a big tournament. No one talks about it. And these caddies back then, I mean, you know, we had some tournaments where we played in some serious heat. Like Kingsmill uh, in uh, Kingsmill in Virginia, that was always a – in Williamsburg, Virginia, um, was summertime tournament, usually July. And I remember one year it was a heat index of 139 during a round that I was playing in. Wow. wow. And that was when caddies had to wear, had to wear pants. They couldn't wear shorts. They're carrying a 50 pound, 50 pound bag on their shoulder. And we had a, a caddy go down. He almost died. Um, so we got the caddies approved to wear shorts. I'm watching those guys, you know, the last couple of weeks on TV with shorts. They, they're still professionals. And I think that, you know, the old, I think you, you'll have the, I think over time, I think shorts are going to be okay. Um, I would have no problem with touring pros wearing shorts. Um, I mean, I teach in shorts at my club. So I'm, I'm am i I'm a big, uh, proponent. I'm a, a big believer in shorts that it, it, you know, not wearing anything wacky. You know, you look, make, look at something that looks nice and, uh, I don't think there'd be any problem. I mean, um, they're athletes and uh, just because they have shorts on doesn't mean they're not, you know, they're not an athlete.
1: You say Tim Finchin was dead set against the caddies wearing shorts. Why?
2: He was, he did not like the idea. He was more old school, uh, did not want that. But, you know, we, I mean, they say it's the players tour. It kind of is, (laughs) Uh, but the, the guy, there's guys running it, obviously running the show. And, but that was something with, what happened with, and you don't see us having events now. You don't see tour events where you've got heat indexes anywhere near what Kingsmill uh, was. Um, you know, they've done a really good job with the scheduling and everything else and uh, playing tournaments where it's not just really brutal heat. Um, but uh, yeah, he didn't want it, but we got it approved. And because, I mean, one of the big things was, you know, Caddy dies out there carrying a bag because we weren't going to let him wear shorts. And the how hot it was, it just, you didn't want that lawsuit. So I think that there were several factors with caddies going down. And, um, you know, and now we're to where players can wear shorts and practice rounds and everything else and pro-ams. And I think that's great. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's hot. So I think, you know, yeah. if they did a thing where it was summertime. If it's summertime, I, I mean, personally, I think if they're going to do it, they're going to just, hey, you can do it if you want to do it in the wintertime, whatever you you want to wear shorts and freeze, go ahead. Um, but I, I'd kind of leave it up to the players. I mean, the players are independent contractors and, you know, it's, I think with the door opening to wearing shorts in practice rounds of pro ams, I think it, it angles us towards that uh, to be able to wear shorts in tournaments too, as well.
1: So, speaking of the tour, are we going to get to see you out on the Champions Tour this season?
2: (laughs) I heard your little intro with me. Um, You know, I played an event when I was 50, and then I played an event this last summer uh, when I turned 51. And, um, you know, I came to the realization, Chris, that I am a really good member-guest partner. And (laughs) uh, I am, yeah, I, I, you know, all those guys I played with on tour, they kept working on their games and grinding and i i wanted to be around my family more and and uh you know i i went away from it and when you go away from this game for the amount of time i did i left the tour when i was 36 years old and um you know i to just think i could go back out after practicing and and handle the heat and play and and the pressure um you know i i uh i i struggled with it and then you know i i my category is so far down um that the only way for me to get in is to get exemptions cuz i'm not going to get in off my my number from from being a tour player um and so i don't want to take a spot away from somebody that really deserves it that's grinding trying to make it um if i go out and monday qualify for one that's a whole another story but i'm between teaching and and designing synthetic turf greens for back nine greens i'm i'm really busy and and i like my i like my free time to go play with my buddies and whether that's at goat hill park in oceanside or going to delmar country club or go play you know one of these other golf courses i i'm going to play in a i'm going to play in a, a pro-am over in ireland next april i'm taking a uh, three buddies that'll be my amateur partners and it's, um i don't have all the details yet but uh i'm looking forward to going and playing in that next april so i have time to work on my game between now and then and uh and uh the, the member a couple of member guests that i play in a year so i'm working on getting my handicap up a little more it's it's still too low they had me as a plus 1.7 and uh I don't really like that. I don't like giving those shots away, but I'm laughing. My dad was just telling me he's playing more golf now here at Redlands Country Club, and and uh, he's a four handicap. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me! You know, you're cleaning up. He goes, so I'm taking their money I go. a four handicap no chipping pot like he does. Yeah, I go. He breaks his age every time he goes out, so he's having fun.
1: Well, so let's talk about a little bit of the teaching that uh, that you and your family do. Like I say, you're one of the great instructors anywhere on the planet. Um, and I don't want to talk about both, uh, what you're doing with back nine greens here in a minute, but I want to talk about reading green because that's mm-hmm. an area that, that I struggle with Dave. I, I too often in the course of a round, I'm looking at a putt that I think is breaking a little left to right and it actually breaks right to left. And, and now I've missed it by a foot or two. What are some of the things, what are some of the keys that we should be looking for on the greens to help us do a better job of reading the break?
2: Sure. So when you play, do you ride a cart or walk?
1: Uh typically ride a cart.
2: Okay. So when people ride carts, you're pulling up to the right or left of the green or behind the green. You're not pulling up into the front and walking on it. So that being the case, when you're in a cart and you get off, you get out of the cart and you're walking to the green, you're typically walking uh, downhill or not from the low part. You're coming from, you know, higher up odds are. and so. You, when, you, when, you, when you walk, the opposite of that is when you're walking a course and you walk up on the front of the green, you have a much better feel for where water is draining, where the high and low area is, um, and so when I walk on a green, I'm immediately looking between my ball and the hole, where would water drain if I poured water on the screen? and you're going to know exactly where water is going to drain. It's always going to drain off a certain direction, um, sometimes multiple directions, but in what relates in relating to your ball and the hole, that's where you want to focus and, and where water would drain. As soon as you know which way that is, you go to the low side of the putt. So far enough back, let's say you have a 20 footer, you'd go uh, between the, the distance. So you go 10 feet and you'd go to the low side and be looking probably anywhere from 10 to 20 feet away from the putt that far away from your line, and looking at it from the low side. And that's like reading a book, a newspaper, a magazine. We have it slightly angled towards us when you read something. Everybody does, right? And so when you're reading a putt from there, from the low side, that's where I spend my time, I'll break a putt up into thirds. And I'll basically, that first third, okay, I see it. I'm not too focused on that first third because the ball's moving pretty quick. I'm not going to worry about the break too much in the first third because it won't break as much with the speed of the balls coming off the putter. I see what's going on in the middle of the putt, that that middle third, and I'm paying attention there, but my main focus is the last third. As the ball's slowing down towards the hole, it's going to tend to be influenced more by whatever the break is. So if you have a putt that, let's say you have a putt that, has a ton of break in the beginning but it's pretty straight the last half or last third of the putt I'm going to play less break on that putt because when I first strike it it's not going to be affected by the break as much because of the pace that I'm rolling the ball to get to the hole does that make sense yeah it does and then the opposite of that if you're putting from you know you have a ton of break that last third but not as much in the beginning you've got to get it out there for that last third, as the ball's dying, it's going to take that break and go in. Most people are too ball oriented. They're focusing on the ball. They're focusing on their line that they want to start it on. And they're, what they're not doing is they're not visualizing the ball going in the hole as they're, as they're setting up and getting comfortable. And it's such a visual game. It's such a, it's about visualization and feel. And you don't get any feel if you're not, if you're not visualizing what you see this ball doing, you're not going to be um, feeling it. And then if you're not feeling it, it's kind of a slippery slope where, you know, just negative thoughts come in. Don't do what I did the last hole, you know, whatever it might be. Um, it's just not a uh, – to me, putting and I, obviously I growing up watching my dad putt and make everything. And so to me, just putting's simple, puttings easy. And, uh, uh. because, because that's how I was taught. Well, why is it so simple? Well, you're not going to hit it OB. You don't have to get it airborne. You know what club you're using every single time. And it's not about being exact. It's not about being perfect. Like, And, and that's proven nowadays. They got all that great uh, stuff they can do on the telecast where they can show you the, the straight line from the guy's putt to the hole and then the curve for the break that the putt is going to have, the players getting ready to play. And more times than not, he'll play it somewhere between the two lines, and it'll still go in the hole. Well, why is that? Speed dictates line. There's not one line that's correct, and the rest are all wrong. You know, there's some putts you can be more aggressive on. You'll take a little less break, be a little firmer with it. You get some putts you need to be real careful with. You don't want it getting away from you. You've got to be a little more tentative, so you play a little more break, and and you die it in that way. So – it's never about being exact. And when I started catting for my dad on tour when I was 12, I, I learned to read greens really well as a kid. And so I'd be over his shoulder reading putts with him, and he'd say, Hey, what do you think, Junior? And I'd say, Oh, it's two or three balls outside right, or it's a ball or two outside left. It was never exact because he's going to roll at the pace he wants to roll it, and he's going to commit to that. But it could be any, wonder, any number of those. And anytime I, it's funny. Anytime I play, or I have a caddy in the group, I won't have them read my putts because I I don't need the help. They can focus on the other guys. But I'll hear them say it's right edge or it's a ball out, and to me that's so exact, and that almost puts pressure on someone because God forbid if you, if it's the edge and you get it a little outside, it's not going in, and you kind of think that way. If you if you think that way at all, you're going to struggle with putting, but If you, on the other hand, you say, oh, it's about, it's about, it's about the edge. It could be just inside or a little outside, depending on your pace. Kind of gives you the freedom to commit to what you want to do with it. If you feel good, you'll be more aggressive, whatever. But you're committing to a certain speed on a putt. Because that's why I always joke, I always have fun with people that have a line on their ball. And say, you know, what's more important, the right line or the right speed? And they'll say, "Oh, well, the right speed." I'm like, "Exactly. Why do you have a line on your ball then?" They just start laughing, you know. And some that's of them will say, "Oh, well, yeah." Some of them will say, "Well, both are important." Oh, I said, "Yeah, but there's one that's more important than the other." And they come to the realization that I'm right in that it's speed dictates line. It's not the other way around. And and so. You know, when you see people with a line on their ball, those are typically people that they saw someone on tour do it, or they're real mechanical. People that are really mechanical players will tend to use a line. The people that are field players, like myself, my dad, um, they'll get up and just, they'll roll it. You know, they'll get away from, you know, worrying about the ball and and just get up and visualize the ball going in. Because the putter is the one club in the bag I mean, you get to cheat with that. It's got a flat grip on it. Every other grip on our bag's round. You put your hands on your putter. You know exactly where that face is aimed, and that putter face is going to line up where your eyes are looking. And if you're visualizing out, I heard the 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 dart analogy earlier with your previous guest, and I use that as well when when you're when you're throwing darts. Are you looking at the the dartboard or are you looking at the dart in your hand when you're throwing it? And people just laugh. And I'm looking at the dartboard. I'm like, okay, well where's our what's our dartboard here between the ball and the hole? They go to the hole. So where should your eyes be looking? Out at the hole. And it just kinda gets people away from being so focused on the little white ball that torments everybody so much and thinking about where they don't want it to go and instead of letting your eyes I've I've never set up on a putt and never been uncomfortable in my life. And And that that's always been the case. I've never been uncomfortable on a putt in my entire life. So I, you know, and people look at me like, "How's that?" My dad's the same way. He's never he's played a lot more golf than I have, and um, he's never been uncomfortable either. The reason why is we let our eyes set our feet. We'll come in with a slightly open stance with the feet close together. We put that putter down behind the ball. In Dad's case, he puts the putter in front of the ball, and looks out and sets his feet as he's looking out, and then he comes back puts the putter on the other side, takes one more look and goes. And I always put the putter just shy of the ball. And when I put it behind the ball, I'd look out at the hole as I set my feet and I'd enjoy enjoy the look. So my dad would always tell me, enjoy the look. Just enjoy the look. So I'm enjoying the look of visualizing the ball going in. So I'm visualizing what a positive image of what I see this ball doing. When my eyes come back, the putter's gone. Another is example that right? of that on tour.
1: What's that? I said that's right. You so you're looking at the hole the whole time. You're not you're not fixed on the ball when you when you're making your yeah. stroke. You're looking at the hole.
2: No, when I when I'm making when the putters start when my eyes come back from the hole, my homework is done. So as my eyes are coming back, I'm starting a forward press. And my eyes come back, the putter's going. Because I'm not I'm not even worried about. I know the putter's lined up where I want. Another guy that does that, and he has a completely different stroke than me, and he's a very good putter, Brant Snedeker. You watch him; that putter, that those eyes come back, and that putter's gone. Because the fastest way to screw up somebody is to make them stare at that ball for a long time and think, "Oh, get my face turned a little here, and get my think about this and think about that." It, it just doesn't work. <laughs> it's, a, it's a recipe for disaster.
1: Dave, one more before I let you go. And I know you're doing some great stuff with Pac Nine Greens, and some of the stuff that you guys are out there creating is absolutely <laughs> off the chain. My goodness, some of that stuff Thank is you.
0: outstanding.
1: Talk about that work.
2: You know, it's, it's, it's a, I love it. Um, I was a, I was a client before I was a partner in the company, and I had them do a green for me and, and got rid of my grass. Like water bill kept going up and, I couldn't believe the quality of the product of what they did, and and I told the owner, I said, these guys are craftsmen. That's what they are. They do this. He goes, absolutely. And what he calls what we do is golf art, because we came in when I got on board with him. We we created the luxury division, and which is just the, you know it's the white turf bunkers. People don't realize it's white turf. It's not sand. It's white turf. Cause, and they're and they're like, huh. And, why would not you not use sand? Well, one, sand is messy. And then it's, you know, one reason people go synthetic is because they want less maintenance and they want it to look good year round. Well, that's what this does. And I mean, I'm having so much fun putting these greens in, um, you know, we had a little stoppage there for a while with this uh, coronavirus and, um, but we're, we're moving and shaking right now and, and busy and it's great doing them all over the country. And, um, I love doing it. I mean, and the fact that, uh, we're really thrilled, you know, we did that pop stroke, that, that restaurant down in Port St. Lucie, Florida with the the two 18 hole putting courses that we put in for them and 53,000 square foot of turf and tiger saw it and he bought 50% of the company and they're going to be going in around the, around the country now. And that's a, that's pretty powerful. The fact that, you know, he did that and, he believed in what we did and saw the concept and said, "This is, you know, this is phenomenal." So uh, we're looking forward to working with them and doing those as well. And uh, but I, I love putting them in people's backyards. And it's funny since this whole thing hit, where everybody's been locked down at home. We've been getting more and more people calling, wanting to have this at their house. Because God forbid something like this ever happens again, at least you got a cool putting green or a par three in your backyard, whatever we, whatever you have um something fun to do as a as a with a family and you know whatever it's just it's it's a real treat um you know if people want to look at back nine greens on social media and you know, they can look at back nine greens or they can also go to the uh, instagram page uh bng luxury back nine greens luxury division um and obviously i post my greens and stuff on on mine as well uh with back nine greens and uh, and my Instagram is, uh, David B Stockton underscore. So not sure why I did it that way, but that's how it was done years ago. So, um, <laughs> but David B Stockton underscore. And then on Twitter, I'm, uh, uh, DSJR one, just it's- fun. I really enjoy doing it. And Chris, I appreciate you having me on and you're awesome.
1: Uh, I appreciate you, my friend. It's always a good time when you're a part of the show. I hope, uh, You'll come back and join me again soon. A lot of great instruction that we haven't tapped into tonight and uh, obviously getting to follow up on the work you're doing at Back 9 Greens. But uh, always a pleasure when you're here, my friend. I appreciate it, Chris.
2: Thanks for having me on and I love the work you do as well. And uh, stay safe and uh, be well.
1: Same to you, Dave. All the best to you and your family, my friend. I look forward to catching up soon.
2: You got it. Thank you. Absolutely.
1: Bye. See you, Dave. That's a great Dave Stockton Jr. And a, and a wonderful follow on social media. And I'm telling you, these back nine greens are absolutely stunning. If you look at the luxury division and some of the things that they do. There was a setup that they put together that looked like uh, the you know the cabins at Augusta National and and the greens and uh, it was absolutely stunning. And then uh, to see some of the other things that they're doing and then you know following him for for all the great putting tips that Dave does and he and his father Dave Senior. Great, great folks. Great family.
0: Look forward to catching up with Dave again real soon. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This is... Could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands, an easy one hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp MargaritavilleLanierislands.com.